So we're uh, on the second week of the second letter to John, or from John, to the chosen lady, or the elect lady, um, and or as Ironside calls her, just the lady. So, <laughs> so pick one of those and, and we'll go with it. But uh, we're on verses five and six today. Uh, Bob covered one through three last week. Yeah. In our schedule, in our syllabus, it was titled Love and Obedience, but I like the kind of title better for these five uh, verses five and six is walk or walking according to love and truth, because uh, that's kind of the main crux of what these verses are all about. Uh, so here I'll read from verse four from last week. Uh, John says, I was very glad to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we have received commandment to do from the Father. Um, and Roy uh, pointed out last week, I think after the class, that, that, and you might want to chime in here, Roy, but that I was very glad to find, the word for find is uh, hirike. Yeah. Hirike. Isn't that something? The, yeah, that's the same word as uh, eu are you uh, are eureka as right in, uh, uh-huh. right the discovery of gold in uh, ninth, uh 1849 california so he was <laughs> he had a eureka moment that some of her children were walking in the truth um and that phrase there in verse four is very important walking in the truth because we continue on that today he's john is on this uh, this mini theme here um I was very glad to find some of your children walking the truth just as we received commandment to do from the Father. And those are very familiar words from John. So verse 5, now I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing you to you a new commandment, but the one which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Verse 6, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. So um, John, of course, uh, repeats himself a lot for emphasis. Uh, so this is very important stuff, walking in commandments and the fact that he's they've had this commandment since the beginning. So I'm going to continue an overview of this little, this little letter, uh, continuing on from what Bob covered last week and there'll be a little overlap. Um, first, I, you know, I really in the past couple of weeks thought about it and looked at it, and I think it's written to an actual person, an actual lady. One, it's addressed that way, and two, she has children, and three, she has a sister in the last verse, and I think her sister, we'll get to that, but I think her sister has children too, right? Um. So why not a church? Why isn't this uh, uh, this chosen lady a church or a body of believers? Um, well, first of all, that word lady isn't used by anyone else, like Paul or Peter or anything. And the church is a body, and it's a bride, bride of Christ. That's uh, It's used one time in the Gospel of John as a bride of Christ. I looked at it, and it's the bride of Christ is as the church is used five times in Revelation, but not a lady. Um, 
and you and I are children of God. And if we called Holly Hills a lady, we're not children of Holly Hills uh, Bible Church, for example. And I don't know if that logic logic is good, but that's <laughs> some of the thoughts I I came up with. It. Um, so I had this theory, and here's a theory, only a theory. The elect lady wrote to John first. Um, she probably knew him from one of the churches he was shepherding or was um, ministering to in and around Ephesus. Uh, and she wrote him a question that greatly concerned her. Um, and then I found that Ironside says much the same thing as well as uh, Gabaline, um in, in their commentaries. Um, and it's very clear when you read it, um, he's, he's saying hello to the lady and he's, uh, he's really addressing a question she has. Um, and now Ironside's, Ironside proposes that the, and this is interesting, this I didn't know, but I, I found this interesting. He says that the lady's main question is in verse 10 and she had a problem with what to do about a man she suspects is a false teacher. And, you know, he's asking for hospitality and, and maybe support and things like that. Um, should she receive him um, in that way as a Christian brother? Um, or what is she to do? And I think that that's a good theory, only a theory, but that's a good theory. And it's this theory, um, Ironside's theory is a good use of this uh, concept of Occam's razor. So saying that the simplest explanation is the best explanation for uh, why John wrote uh, the second epistle of John. So the mood and occasion of uh, to John um, seems to be in response to uh, the lady's question. Um, and here's us right after the 10 a.m. service, I think it was last week. Yeah, um, Roger, you were ending Second Corinthians. You you wrapped it up, and you said that you know in the Old Testament and with the uh, second first and second Kings and Joshua judges, and then the major and minor prophets um, such as Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. God seems to prefer to reveal His doctrines and glories. Um, in those books to uh, f uh, through prophets and through uh, books of historians um, and like first and second kings are uh, books of history of the, the the nation of israel but in the new testament you said god seems to prefer revealing himself in these letters and uh, from paul and peter <laughs> and oftentimes to individual people if i have that right Roger, right? Yeah. And it seemed like that uh, it's interesting that it's just different. I mean, why didn't the Lord just lay it out? One, two, three, four. Why did he have to go through a letter to, between people? Is yeah, right. And Roger, is your uh, microphone on? I think it is. Oh, you hear me okay now or not? Yeah, that's better. Okay. Um, no, yeah. I, I, so, I, yeah. It's it, occurred to me. I, you know, I think others have mentioned that too. It's just, you know, we, we learn so much from the dialogue or the correction that Paul made to all the letters he wrote to the churches. We learn 
you know, a tremendous amount, but it was in a letter format, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mentioned here in 3A here that they're personal letters. Um, mm -hmm. One was a letter to Gaius. That's uh, that's actually third John, isn't it? I made a mistake there. I'll have to correct that um, before I send it to you all. Um, uh, the letter to Philemon is a personal letter. Uh, the letters to Timothy are personal letters. So if the third letter of John to Gaius, uh, I, I think is how you pronounce his name, if, if, that's a, if that's a person, then again, simplistically, it says it's a good assumption that this letter to the chosen lady is an actual lady. Yeah. 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 Um, so second John is the only letter addressed to a woman, which is a little obvious point. And then uh, let me move this down. Second and third John are in essence, Ironside says, um, addendums to the first John. As you read them, they're very similar. So when I was going through this, I made my own outline, and we'll see if this outline holds. Um, so one is he opens up with salutations and greetings, verses 1 through 3, and he expresses gladness about her children walking in the truth. And then today we'll cover the personal plea to this woman to walk in the commandment to love one another, verses 5 and 6. Then he goes uh, in... After Thanksgiving, Bob will cover, he goes into warnings about antichrists or, or deniers or false teachers, uh, verses 7 through 11. He gives uh, her an exhortation to abide in the truth and teachings of Christ in verse 9, and then an exhortation to uh, get away from or eschew uh, this, uh, this false teacher from her company. In verses 10 11 and then he closes up the short letter with closing and a pro postscript he hopes to meet her face to face again in fact he keeps the letter short so that he can just talk to her in person and then he says you know p.s uh your nieces and nephews greet you uh the the children of her sister is what that says in verse 13. so Here's Ironside. I, I was using Ironside a lot. Um, here's his uh, outline. It's just point one here, Roman numeral one, letter to a lady, he calls it, Second John 1 through 13. He divides it into a greeting, a command, a warning, and a conclusion. So I patted myself on the back because I uh, mine mirrored his very closely and I didn't even look at it. So, uh, but it was an easy one. I mean, uh, uh, a very short letter, it's easy to outline. So then- in, explanatory too. Oh, I'm sorry? Yours is more explanatory too. Oh yeah, that's true. My, well, mine kind of covers the whole, the whole letter. Yeah. I'll kind of bullet it out. It's kind of easy to do. So we're done, we, we can go home. <laughs> um, so third John, he outlines his, uh, his, um, he addresses Gaius and then he addresses this, uh, man Diotrephes and then Demetrius and then he concludes. So that's, uh, 
two outlines from H.A. Ironside there. Okay, here's verse five. Uh, you have a question? Any? Yeah, I have a question. Uh, well, I have a statement, basically. I, uh, uh, I've noticed that uh, both Hodges and my uh, Roman Christian Study Bible uh, both say the elect lady are churches. They I, do? I, I yeah. The explanation that it is basically to a lady, to a real person, uh, is more uh, convincing. Yeah, it... And some of the commentators said, you know, it requires less sort of twisting or manipulation. Uh, hijinks. Yeah, hijinks. Yeah, yeah, there you and go. Stands. But if it is to a church, that's it makes that makes sense too. You know, that's it's just, um, it's just simpler to believe it, it is actually to a to a, a lady. You know, and and especially because uh, it talks about her cousins and her other relatives at the end of the end of this book. Right, right, yeah, and um, how do you, how do you, what do you do with the cousins and the relatives at the end of the book if it's to a church? Right, and I think the language is this, the children of your chosen of your sister greet you. Yeah. I think he uses the word children like in uh, how he starts out here. So, yeah, it could go either way. We will have a thumb war about that maybe. <laughs> it could, but it, it is more simple, more simple sense if it's to an actual person. Yeah, right. I agree with you, um, Jim. Um, so he starts out saying, "Now I ask you, lady," um, and let me wake up my computer. So the word "ask" um, is not. I thought it was a tail. I was going on that, you know, I looked it up and ask is a, a tail, A-I-T-E-O, um, a word used in scripture for acts, asking God for uh, in prayer for things, making a request of God as, um, as in first John three twenty twos. Um, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments to do the things that are pleasing and do the ple- things that are pleasing in the sight. Or James 1 5, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and God will give him wisdom. He, he does so liberally and without, uh, what's the word he uses? Without reservation. Mm-hmm. Or some, if someone has that up really quick, it's a short verse, and I just can't quote it by memory. But that's the word for ask, asking God for something. Um, so as I said, it's not that word, it's erotao. So, um, now I erotao, you lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment. Um, it's still ask and it's still used in prayer, but there's a big caveat. Um, and an example of erotao is where uh, Christ says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper in John 14, 16. And that's ask is a present. Tense, active voice, indicative assertion of fact. Um, so, anyone know what the why the difference in Greek words for ask for extra credit? <laughs> well, I, I this lesson was very familiar because I've covered just about the exact same things back in first John. And the reason is that 
eatao is one which the asker or the suppliant, uh, the one making a petition, is of a lesser position than the grantor of the request. Whereas erotao is used when the pe- petitioner is on equal footing with an equality with the grantor of the request. So you see how the difference in, in words matters because um, they're on the same footing, the two of them. And Roy often points out, and I like this uh, comment he often says, is how exact and precise scripture is in the Greek. Um, you know, there's these two words for ask, and it's, uh, it, it's important which one is used here. So John and the uh, chosen later are both children. Uh, their position in Christ is equal. Uh, they're both walking in the truth. They're a brother and sister communicating. So that's erotao instead of ateo. Um, I have a question. Yeah. I'm, I'm another Jim. Uh, oh, hi, Jim. Uh, there's, um, so the conclusion of this book is, and this is really illuminating what you said, it, that this woman, um, she's asking this question in response to a false teacher that uh, she's she knows. So that seems to be the kind of the main theme that that you know it says you know don't have anything to do with this guy. And yeah. I, I guess what I'm wondering is in the in the practical world, um, you know, churches aren't always just composed of Christians, and when you have a false teacher, you know, how do you deal with that? I know this is kind of off, but um, you know, this, there are a lot of false teachers out there, and yeah, and and how do you deal with that? I mean, and maybe I'm going too far off down a rabbit hole, but that's my question. No, that's a good question because that that was sort of circling in my mind too, um, studying this. And that, yeah, what do you do, and how do you determine that? And I think the answer is when we get to it. And we will, you know, you, you just, it seems to think, and I'm reading ahead here, and I don't want to uh, flesh it out here, but it seems to say, John seems to say, you know, cut off, you know, walk away, uh, kind of shake the dust of, off, off your shoes and, uh, you know, don't, don't associate, but we'll get to that, I think, um. I think we'll have a bigger discussion there, I'm, I'm sure, um, about what to do in that situation. But that's a good, that's a good observation. Um, so here, we're still in verse 5, and I'm paraphrasing this next little uh, section. He says, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but a commandment we've had from the beginning. And I've just cut out a, a little of the, um, the, the prepositions there and things. Um, so he's not writing a new commandment, but one that we've had since the beginning. Um, so note, I noticed that um, it's a con- statement of contrast. Uh, the contrast is it's not a new thing, but it's an old thing or something from the beginning. Um, and he, he stated this exact same thing in the first epistle, uh, right? And here it is in 1 John 2, 7. He says, Beloved, I'm not writing 
a new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you've had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. So um, so he's uh, re repeating them. And I actually covered that verse, I think, back in First John. So I was like, oh, this is an easy lesson. I just <laughs> go back to, you know, I had an easy work of it. But then I had new questions, so it <laughs> took me a while. So, um, and here's two other examples. He says, on the other hand, I'm writing, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. That's from the next verse, 1 John 2.8. And then in 1 John 3.23, he says, this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of the, his son, Jesus Christ, that we love and love one another, just as he commanded us. So he just, he says one thing about six different ways, doesn't he? Uh, so it's really clear what he's saying. Um, and this is the source of what John said in First uh, John and this Second John, this verse is from Christ Himself. In John thirteen thirty four, He Christ says, "A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you love one another." And then in fifteen twelve, John fifteen twelve, this is my commandment, that you love one another, <laughs> just as I loved you. So I'm I'm just laughing because it's it's saying the same thing, right? Right. And it's very clear. But it's it's so important and I think that's why it's repeated and he repeats it to this this woman. Um it's very important that John he feels to get that across to everyone he writes to. Um so the the word new is kainos. Um so the commandment is not novel or a new thing it's not unprecedented um or given for the first time it is a commandment they've had since the beginning now we have to look at what the beginning is and that's arche in the greek um and just i just reviewed what we did in in first john and we came to the conclusion that the beginning uh the commandment we've had since the beginning is not in eternity past as John 1.1 1, 1, uh, is. It's not at the creation of the heavens and earth, the beginning of the heavens and earth, like Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, but it's since the beginning of their learning of the truth of the gospel of Christ. Now, just to, there's another, uh, there's another uh, 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 interpretation of beginning, and I, I, uh, Mac, uh, not Macaulay, but, um, McGee, J. Vernon McGee, thinks that it's the beginning of when Christ arrived on the scene and started preaching the gospel. He calls that the beginning, which is a good, that's a good uh, interpretation as well. But I think this, this is the proof of verse that John says in his first epistle in 224. He says, let that abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. So that little, um, that little qualification there. You've heard it from the beginning. So that means they have ears and they actually physically heard it, the gospel, from, and that's the beginning. And I think that's the best uh, way to uh, define beginning here. So the command, of course, is to love one another. It's agape, agapeo, 
agapao, and it's a present tense, uh, active voice, subjunctive mode. So it's a potentiality mode. Um, and then it's uh, love one another is alalon, which is a personal possessive pronoun. So agapao alalon. Um, so I kind of rewrote it in English, and I think it's it's really accurate. Love your own brethren. Um, mutually and reciprocally is the idea in the in English. Um, so I had a question that I asked myself, and I tried to answer here. Um, how do we know this command is directed at fellow believers, our brother, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, and not uh, and and not humanity in general, right? Um, you know, it's one thing to love love everybody and things like that, but he says here, it, I, I think it's constrained to just our our fellow believers, um, and I think the answer in that lies at. In, in his first epistle, in six verses, six times, he ties loving the brethren with uh, love one another. So he uses them interchangeably a little in his first letter. Uh, he'll say love one another, sure. But he also says love the brethren. So, um, and he does it that, the, the love the brethren. And I think the Greek word for brethren there is adelphos. Um, he uses that six times. So I think it's constrained to uh, just fellow fellow believers. And I think the crux of this letter is this lady is asking John, in light she knows she knows of this command, love one another. and and but she's asking, uh, as Jim said, what to do uh, about the ones who deny the humanity or deity of Christ? Um, you know, this guy, this one man is a denier, uh, which we'll see in, um, in the next few weeks. So he's peddling his Gnostic gospel, whatever he's peddling there. And he's asking for some hospitality or support. And this lady, and, and this is all here, but it's a good theory. And she's asking, Hey, in light of that, what do I do? Right. And that's, uh, oh, well, and maybe we'll, we'll get to that answer here as we study this, this book more. Um, so John goes on to say, uh, and this is love that we walk according to his commands. So just uh, the, the concept is defined in the, in the statement there that love is walking, keeping his commandments. And, um, Christ, Jesus Christ says in John 14, 15 and 14, 21, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and uh, will disclose myself to him. Um, when I first came across verse six here, we're in verse six, and this is love that we walk according to his commandments is how it starts out. I was like, boy, that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough statement. I don't know. Um, love is walking 
according to his commandments. And I was, it kind of perplexed me for a bit, but then I just found these words from Christ himself and it answers it perfectly, exactly what John is meaning. Um, <laughs> and he's just requoting what he heard Christ say um, when he was here on this earth. Um, he does that a lot. He, he just parrots actually what Christ said when he was here on the earth in his ministry. Um, so Akapa'o love then is ordering our lives to be conformed to the truth or walking in the truth. Verse four says walking in the truth. He's, he's talking about the children of the elect lady and loving your brother. Um, walking, that is an, that's a cool word that we've heard. This is review for probably everybody, but walking is uh, peripateo, peripateo. Um, it's in the present tense, ongoing action. And then I looked at, I think it was uh, Strong's says it, it means the treading of the feet or literally the advancement that you gain by putting one foot in front of the other. You know, that's peripateo. And uh, pataho is feet treading. And then the peri, the, uh, the first part of the word is, is concerning or about or around, um, uh, concerning the treading of feet is walking. And that's our Christian law. That's a command that Paul uses. There's so many um, examples of that, yeah, that I, I didn't go over because there's just too many. It's, it's all over um, Paul's epistles. So walking according to his commandments, that according to his kata, and that means down from. Uh, and it's really down from a standard. So it, uh, the word kata expects things produced after to follow the standard set by the first thing or the prototype, um, uh, the standard. Um, Merriman would all, always talk about this, uh, the craft of tool and die making. So, you know, you're, you have machinery and you make this die which is a cast die, which you use that and then you pour a mold into it and it makes your, whatever you're making, your bolt. And it's perfect because it's cast to make the bolt exactly the right size and things like that. So that's, that's how he describes this kata. And I can't describe it because I, I don't know tools and things like that. I'm not an engineer. Uh, so if, if you look it up on the internet, you'll see what I mean. Um, so walking according to a standard or, or a commandment. Um, I look back and I said, how, how much is that used in, um, is, is this familiar to these? Uh, is this a familiar command to the people back then? And it is because in, in the Old Testament, and I'm kind of calling Mark and the act, Acts, like the end of the Old Testament, um, you know, when before the Holy Spirit came. And, um, so the Pharisees and scribes would use that exact phrasing when they said, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with unpure hands? So that's the same phrase, according to the tradition. Um, Acts twenty one twenty one. And they have been told about you that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, 
telling them not to circumcise their children, nor to walk according to the customs. So this walking according to the commandments, that's a very familiar phrase to these these people. Um, So he goes on to say in verse 6, this is the commandment, just as you had heard from the beginning, that you should peripateo in it or walk in it. And it's just, he's just here restating what he's uh, stated several times in several ways in um, five and six and also in, in his first epistle. So um, nothing new here too much, but um, I think it's for emphasis. He, he repeats himself, as I've mentioned before, in a different way to this lady. Uh, She and her children receive the truth of Christ in their spiritual beginning, and they shouldn't leave it uh, or pursue a course that's not on the narrow, defined path of the gospel that John brought. Um, We will see in verses 7 through 11 uh, uh, about when he talks about this Christ denier or these deniers. Uh, he, He takes... A specific time to address a heresy. Um, so he's trying to get them to, and, and this lady, to stay on the the faith, the the body of truth that she's learned from the beginning. Um, and I'm, I'm restating this. I've stated this before, but it's possible, only possible, that this lady is presently being pursued by some Christ denier. And she just wants grounding, grounding truth from John himself uh, once more. She just wants to hear it from his, his own words once more, I think. Um, the, this, this man could be a docetist or a, a, or a Serinthian. Those are two Gnostic um, camps. Docetists uh, believe that Christ only seemed to be human. He wasn't really human. And this Serinthianism uh, is that the, the concept that Jesus was a man, so, so they got that right. He's a human. <laughs> but the divine Christ descended on him and remained with him through his life until the, the cross. He, then the divine Christ left right before he died. And, and that's still going on today. So it, he could be one of these two camps. We don't know. Um, and that's a subtext in the first epistle of John too. Um, but John in, in that epistle really keeps his focus on, on the light and glory of Christ instead of addressing that heresy. But he mentions it a little and it's a subtext in first John. But here it's more front and center because he addresses it in the next two verses and uh, the letter is only 13 verses long. Um, So I like this quote that I've used before from H.A. Ironside. uh, Speaking of Christianity, he says, what is new is not true and what is true is not new. Um, (laughs) And he says, you know, we aren't in a process of discovering Christ's words and Christian doctrine. It is. It was a revelation committed to godly men by the Holy Spirit at the beginning of the church age, and it, it came down, and it was set, and it remained that way. Um, 
So I like that. What is what is true is not new, and what is uh, what is new is not true, and what is what is true. <laughs> but let me read that. Again it's it yeah it's a tongue twister isn't it? what is new is not true and what is true is not new and it's an axiom and it's a good one um so the new things you get nothing from hearing new things uh new gospels or anything like that the ones we have are the ones uh that are set set in stone um so to some he's saying to this lady oh, Walk in what you've heard from the beginning of old. And Paul says it the same way. Therefore, just as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, Colossians 2, 6. Um, so Paul and, and, and John are saying the same thing there. So those are those two verses. And I just want a little addendum here. Um, I did a word cloud of this letter. And... Uh, for emphasis, the main thing he is emphasizing in this letter is truth, the word truth. And commandment, of course, the very front and center, too. Um, and it just helped me with uh, kind of getting the stress or the emphasis of the letter. First John, just uh, by way of mention, uh, the first John word cloud, the, the uh, words to the left there are ones that are prominent in first John. So he, brother, the word brother occurs a lot. Commandment, world, of course, son, sin. He addresses sin. He talks a lot about the Holy Spirit, the beginning, and then, of course, eternal life. So that's how the two kind of overlap um, with the commandment. But he brings in this, uh, not a new word, but a new concept he uses is truth. Um and father, of course, occurs in both of the letters. So I just thought that was kind of cool. I don't know how useful those are, but they're, they look nice, don't they? They're kind of cool. <laughs> Yeah. Um, this might be a silly question, but how did you do that word cloud? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. There's, a, there's, some, there's some free things on the Internet that you just – word cloud things that you just – put in the text and then it gives you a word cloud. So it wasn't much work at all. I, I, I didn't spend too much time. I'll have to try it out. <laughs> yeah. You just have to cut and paste your, your text a lot, right? So Romans, that would be a hard word cloud. Oh Andrew, we can't wait. That would be that would be tough, but but um I've seen them used before. I just don't know how uh, accurate they are. Do, do they give you a, a count, like how many times truth? Yeah, they give you the count. Okay. And, and then do you, what they do you remember is, how many times, like, brother and truth were you? I mean, so we have an idea, like, truth is, well, I probably could count it. but <laughs> Well, right. In this letter, it's not much at all, because there's probably all the words are probably right there in this yeah. whole letter, right? But the one for First John, I don't think I copied that in there, no. Um, it's okay. It, it's not... Not much great. more words, but I, I think people are using it just to the the main the themes will jump out at you, you know. Um, for, uh, looking for it at a text for the very first time. Um, okay. And then some word clouds divide them into 
categories, which is kind of cool too. So, so yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's worth it. Maybe it's not. But I started out doing that. So yeah, uh, I'll close in prayer here. Bob. Our Henry Father, we thank you for your, uh, for John and his words to this this chosen lady that we're studying and his encouraging words to her. And we pray that we learn. We, you give us wisdom as as to the the crux of the matter, what to do about um, false teachers we encounter, and how to handle that in 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 wisdom and in truth and, and uh, the way that you would be uh, glorified with. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.